Awesome. Thanks, Taylor. Thanks, Benny. Before we get started, would you just pray with me? Holy Father God, we are so grateful to be in your church today with your people. And most of all, we're glad that you came, like we just sang. That in our death, that in our destruction, in our sin, in our depravity, that you woke our hearts back up with one single word. You can wake our hearts up. And God, that is our prayer this morning, that with one single word, that you would wake up hearts, my heart, other hearts that have been sleeping because we have work to do. That's our prayer. And we all pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. So we're in the uh, middle of our series called Basics. Basics. And uh, we're breaking down the basics of our Christian faith. Those things that are absolutely essential for growth in our journey as Christ followers. The things that at the end of the day we cannot forsake. That if you boil everything down, these truths, these essentials must remain. The basics, they're the foundation for what we believe. And Heidi absolutely killed it last week, uh, kicking this series off, talking about being hungry for God's Word. That we absolutely have to have this desperation for God's Word, that daily, it's not about getting it every once in a while, but a daily desperation to fill our spiritual souls up. Otherwise, we cannot survive as Christ followers. And she ended last week by saying this statement. She said, we tend to value people's words more than we believe God's words. Wow, that's powerful. And I love how God continually sets up this teaching team to build upon one another. She didn't know what I was preaching about, but she set it up. She put it on a T for me. We tend to value people's words more than we believe God's words. Today I'm preaching on the basic of doctrine. Doctrine. Now before everybody runs out of here and leaves and freaks out and falls asleep, I don't think you've heard a message like this on doctrine before. So let me just tell you, I need this message, you need this message, and both of us together, we need to apply this message to our lives. So hang with me, okay? Get it? Awesome. Awesome. I love a responsive crowd. So what is doctrine? If you boil everything down, doctrine is basically a belief or a set of beliefs. Simply put, your doctrine is what you believe. It's the foundation for everything about your life. Why is doctrine important? Why is what you believe important? Because, listen to me, doctrine sets the direction for your life. Write that down. Doctrine sets the direction for your life. Let me tell you a story, and I'm just going to be completely 100% transparent and vulnerable, if I can, with you. When I was 13 or 14 years old, I was growing up in Canada, and we had just moved from a large city to the, a, a very remote part of the province. And uh, my mom thought it would be a good idea, if, since we're now in rural Canada, that we get involved in the local 4-H club. And uh, yeah, I heard some laughter there. So it's all good, yeah. So if you don't know, 4-H is like a, it's a club. Um, it's extracurricular program for youth, and, and they have clubs all over the U.S. and Canada. I think they have like over 6 million members. I looked it up this last week. So there's a lot of people in this club. But one of the big events of the year when I was in 4-H was a speech competition. I don't know if they still do that or not, but for us, 
this speech competition was a big deal. So basically, you, you were charged with writing a 10-minute speech, and then you had to deliver that speech in front of your peers, the whole 4-H club, your f friends, family, grandparents, and most of all, judges. And you would be judged on your speech, and then if you made uh, like the top three or something, you'd go on to a regional round, and then another round, and then eventually a provincial round if you were that good. So I'm 13, 14 years old, and I'm scared out of my mind. You know, they still say that uh, public speaking is America's number one fear. And I, I looked it up. It's true. Bigger than death, bigger than, than loneliness, bigger than snakes, spiders. Public speaking, speaking in front of people, is the number one fear in America. And likewise, I was consumed with what everyone else thought instead of what my creator thought of me. And I somehow stumbled through my speech, but let me tell you, it was a complete train wreck. Like, not just two trains colliding head-on, there was like a third train in there somehow as well. It was a dumpster fire. It was just a wreck. And I, this past week, I was trying to recall what my speech was about, and for the life of me, I have no earthly idea. I cannot remember. All I remember was that I was frozen in fear, that I was consumed with whatever everyone else thought of me and not what my creator thought about me. Needless to say, at the age of 13 or 14, public speaking, not my gig. Not at all. Strike that one off the list. Don't have to worry about a career path doing public speaking. I'll do something quiet in the background. Forget this getting up in front of people crap. Now my brother, at the same time, simultaneously, my brother, he's three years younger than me, and he is, uh, let's just say, naturally more brash and outgoing than I am. And he writes his speech, and he gets up there, three years younger, he gets up there and he absolutely kills it. Nails it. Like water off a duck's back. Like a walk in the park. He wins first place. He goes on to the regional round. He wins there. He goes on to the provincial round. He places very high there. And all the time I'm sitting in the audience watching him just destroy it. Now you have to understand, and I'm so proud of my brother. He's, he's awesome. You have to understand that I have, uh, I'm very blessed. I have a Christian heritage on both sides of, of my family. Both grandparents were very strong Christians. And my mom's parents, they were uh, missionaries in Ethiopia. And uh, so as I'm growing up, as my brother's doing very well in these speech competitions and being very outspoken, my grandmother, my grandfather, and my mother would often tell my brother, I remember hearing them tell my brother, Tim, you're going to be a preacher one day. You're going to be a pastor one day. And that's a great thing, and I'm not taking anything away from them speaking life unto him. But here's the thing. No one ever told me that I could be a preacher. I wasn't looking for that, but no one ever spoke that into my life. No one ever told me that I could one day preach the word of God. No one ever told me that I could pastor people or shepherd people. Again, I wasn't looking for it. I had already struck it off the list. Plus, I already, I already knew that I was this terrible public speaker, and I would have rather run naked through a herd of wild water buffalo than to get up in front of people. True story. I was believing the lie. 
But listen to me, the lie was so believable. No one ever told me that I could do it. No one ever told me that I might have a certain calling on my life. You know, silence is sometimes the worst lie of all. Be careful what you do not speak into others. I had swallowed this lie hook, line, and sinker. Maybe the rod and reel as well. And I was convinced that I was not good at speaking to people. So this idea of even preaching to people, that, it wasn't even an idea in my mind. It was automatically just thrown out with the garbage. But check this out. Someone was speaking. Every once in a while, I would, I would get a, hear a still, small voice, not an audible voice, but just a gentle push, a gentle nudge from the Holy Spirit, this desire, this calling to, to preach God's word. And I didn't, I couldn't reconcile it because it didn't seem possible. And so I would ignore it. I would push it down deep. I didn't believe that it was possible. It could not be possible. I sucked at public speaking. Remember the three train collision. Why even think about it twice? But thank God that he takes our weaknesses and replaces it with his strength. Thank God, listen to me, someone needs to hear this. Thank God that his whispers are louder than the devil's shouts. God's whispers are louder than the shouts of the devil, louder than the shouts of the world, louder than the expectations that others put on you. Just because someone has put an expectation on you or labeled you some way does not mean that that's what God is calling you to do. But thank God that the doctrine that I'd once believed about my life, that God was flipping that and turning that inside out, upside down. See, here's the thing. The voice that you listen to determines your doctrine. And your doctrine determines your direction. In other words, what you believe determines how you will live. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. He said, obedience is the natural outcome of belief. See, the words you listen to become the words you believe, your doctrine, which become the words you live by, your obedience, which become the words that you in turn speak, your declaration. You and I need a word spoken over our life. Can I tell you something? You do have a word spoken over your life. You have a powerful word that is being spoken into your life and over your life. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to John 1. John 1, verse 1. This is awesome. In the beginning, before anything, in the beginning, the Word, that's Jesus, that's Logos, the Word. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created not a few things through Him, not most things through him. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. That includes you and me. The word gave what? Life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The word Jesus spoke a word, and everything changed. You and I are created in his image. Spoken words, listen to me, spoken words are powerful. 
Genesis 1 says this, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and empty and the darkness covered the deep waters and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Verse 3, then God said, God spoke, he said, let there be light. And what happened? Boom, there was light. And God saw that the light was good. The word, Jesus spoke words and things that were not there came to be. From nothing, God created something by spoken word. The God of the miraculous with one word speaks life into existence. And he kept going and creating and speaking and creating things. And down in verse 26, then God said again, he said, let's make human beings in our image to be like us. And the word Jesus, the God of grace, he got down in the dirt and molded you and I and formed us. And he not only spoke, but this time he breathed his own spirit into our lungs. And we became alive. And that same word, that same Jesus, he is still speaking here today, right now, 2017. The creator is still creating today. That is why we can sing that we hang on every word that he speaks over us. That is why we need to tune our ears and be listening first. Are you listening to what your creator is speaking into your life? Because the words that you listen to become the words that you believe, which become the words that you live by, which become the words that you speak. So back to my story, I was believing this false doctrine. I wouldn't have called it that at age 13, 14. But I was believing this lie that I had nothing valuable to say in front of people, whether that was one person or a hundred people. I truly believed that I had nothing valuable to say in front of anyone. Someone else could do it. I wasn't called to do that. My doctrine was determining my direction. But see, my doctrine was based on lies. A year or two later, when I was 15, I went to Moscow, Russia for a four-month missions trip. And while there, I had an opportunity to teach English as a second language in front of a classroom of Russian students, my peers. But guess what I did? I turned that opportunity down. I didn't do it because I didn't believe that I could do it. My doctrine was determining my direction. My doctrine told me that I didn't have anything of importance to say to a group of people. Why should they listen to me? Someone else can do it. I was still believing the lie. I was still putting more emphasis on what everyone else thought more than what my Creator thought. So if we go back to Genesis, to this story of of Adam and Eve, God had spoken, God had formed them and breathed life into them, and they were image bearers of God, just like you and me. They were reflecting His image. And everything was going so well. They lived in this beautiful place. They lived in this beautiful garden. They believed God. They were listening to one voice. They walked with him in the garden. Everything was going so well. And then God told Adam, he said, hey, just one rule. Just one thing, Adam. You may eat freely from any of the tree in the garden. Like You can have all of this. All of this is yours. Just just one rule, Adam. Just don't eat from that one tree. Don't don't eat from that one tree. Because if you eat from that one tree, you're going to die. Pretty simple. I mean, you got all of this. Why even look over here? Unbelievable. Everything was perfect. Adam and Eve listening to one voice. 
walking with God, obeying God, believing one doctrine, and then all of a sudden, one day, there was another voice. Those one days will mess you up. No matter how great it's going, no matter how perfect it's going, watch out for those one days. Genesis 3.1 tells us that this serpent crawls up to Eve, and it was Satan, and he says, did God really say that you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Did God really say? How many times in our daily lives are we confronted with that? Did God really say that? And Satan plants those seeds of doubt. And all of a sudden, Eve is doubting her doctrine because Satan is questioning her belief system. And Eve makes a fatal mistake, a mistake that you and I make probably every day. She stays to talk it out with the serpent. You and I stick around to debate doctrine with the devil when we should just run the other direction. Stay away from another voice. But it's fun to debate, isn't it? It's really fun, and and nobody gets hurt, right? Wrong answer. Being around the Bennett house for the last number of years as as their uh, boys have been in sports and things like that at their dinner table, it was very... Uh, the question was always asked after a sporting event, baseball, basketball, whatever. Hey, guys, any controversies today? Any controversies? Let's debate what happened during the game. Right, Kip? Let's debate what the, what the uh, officials did, what the other coach did, what our coach did, what our players did. Let's just debate this out for the next hour while we eat. See, you and I cannot afford to stand around and debate with temptation. We can't afford it. We're going to get burned. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Run the other direction when you hear a different voice. You don't need to stand around and debate it. You need to destroy it. Paul says, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Do you know how to recognize the right doctrine? Spend time with the doctrine maker. Like Heidi said last week, you spend time in his word. You spend time on your face. Don't debate Satan. Don't don't get in these silly arguments. Spend time with him and you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. You won't have a problem discerning between different doctrines. You know, treasury agents that, uh, that are in charge of finding counterfeit money, they don't study counterfeit money and analyze it and look at it. You know what they do? They spend lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of time with real, genuine bills. And so when they're coming, they they know them inside out. So when they come across the counterfeit, they go, "Uh uh-oh, that doesn't smell right. That doesn't feel right. Something is not right here. Their internal alarms are going off. How do you and I identify lies? We must know the truth so well. That when we're confronted with a lie, we can squash it, we can kill it immediately. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. You want to spot the lies in your life? Spend time in your face before your Creator. Spend time in His Word. So Eve did what all of us do, and she debated 
with the serpent. She answered the serpent's challenge and she said, of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it and if you do, you will die. Eve's now even getting confused. And the serpent says, you won't die. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you'll be like God knowing both good and evil. And at that point, Eve had talked it with the serpent too long. She'd stayed around too long. The Bible says Eve was convinced. They had all of this over here that God had given them. And one little apple tripped them up because they believed a lie. It changed the course of history, changed your life and my life because of one mistake, one debating with the devil, one doctrinal mistake. And Satan twisted the truth just enough of what God had spoken. See, they had a choice at that moment, but they chose to listen to the wrong voice. And their doctrine had been tested, and they failed the test. And by listening to the other voice, they caved in, and it shifted their doctrine, which shifted how they lived, which shifted how they spoke to others. And later that evening, they're hiding from God when they hear the Lord God walking through the garden. Time out. Isn't it awesome that even in our sin, even in our depravity, even when we screw up and mess up, in our shame and our guilt, that when we're hiding from God, that he still pursues us, that he still chases us down, that he still loves us no matter what we've done. And so they're hiding from God among the trees, but of course God finds them. And Adam says, God, I heard you walking in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked. And God said this, who told you that you were naked? In other words, what other voice were you listening to? See, the Bible tells us that Satan is like a lion. He's crouching at the door. He's ready to pounce on you and me. He's ready to devour us. He's the father of lies. It's his one big weapon. Really, his only weapon is deception, lies, untruth, a different doctrine, if you will. And he'll try to tell you lies every single day. This is all he's got. And God's got all of that for you. But they're so believable, aren't they? We have to be on guard. We have to be ready to squash those, to defeat those at any moment. Because that one day is going to happen one day. So back to my story for, for a moment. Fast forward a number of years. And I get married to this beautiful woman down here on the front row, Heather. And just over nine years ago, God called Heather and I to help start Elevate Church in Morton. And there I began to get some opportunities to speak and to preach. And I just want to pause and publicly thank Pastor Brian Sanders for giving me those opportunities, for pushing me forward in something that I didn't believe I could do. So thank you, Brian. But you know, I was still believing the lie. And I was terrible at first. You can just ask Heather. She tells me all the time. It's good. It keeps me humble. Thank you, baby. One of the first messages I gave at Elevate was on having a red-hot marriage. Yeah, we use these red-hot candies. Remember that, Heath? 
And that Sunday, I was nervous. I was worried about what everybody else was thinking. And I'm pacing around the hallways. And that Sunday, of all Sundays, the CEO from the company that I work for decides to visit Elevate Church. And I run into him in the hallway and his wife right before I have to get up to preach. God was testing me. And I have to be honest with you, I failed the test. I was so much more concerned what he was thinking than what my God was thinking. Shame on me. See, I was still believing the lie that I really didn't have that much of value to say. Which is crazy when you break it all down. If I believe that I don't have anything of value to say, then I'm basically saying that the, the breath that God breathed into my lungs was a mistake. See, God didn't put breath in there just to sit there, did he? He designed us to inhale his spirit, and then his spirit would change and transform us from the inside out, but it doesn't stop there. Then he designed us to exhale his spirit unto people around us. And you and I have the opportunity every day to breathe out the spirit of God upon people all around you, whether that's one person, one coworker, whether that's standing in front of a hundred people, doesn't matter. That's what God has called you and I to do. So here I am, I'm more concerned with what other people think than what God thinks. I'm still listening to the wrong voice, even as I'm trying to preach. I'm still believing the lie, but you know what? God didn't give up on me. And every once in a while, I had the privilege to preach, and almost every week I was able to get up and give this offering talk. And, and like I said, I was terrible at first. Slowly the, the trains began to disappear, and it was only like a two-train wreck. And then I was kind of chugging down the tracks by myself. And slowly I began to shift my doctrine to destroy the lie that I had believed for so long. And the still, small voice in my spirit kept pushing me until finally I was listening to only God's voice above the roar of lies from Satan. And preaching began to become a passion. It began to become that thing that God had planted in my heart years and years ago that I had pushed down deep. And my fear of people turned and it shifted into a holy fear of God. I'm not saying I'm perfect. Absolutely not. But now I have much more of a fear of God standing behind this pulpit, pulpit than what you think. And the responsibility for standing up here and communicating the Holy Word of God is a real and a very holy thing. And so what was birthed out of destroying that lie lit the fire that God had placed inside of me years ago, and it messed me up in a good way, and it shifted and it changed the trajectory of my life. Your doctrine determines your direction. I'm not claiming to be some amazing communicator. I'm not. But this I know beyond a shadow of a doubt. God has called me to preach to one person, to a hundred people. I just need to be obedient when those opportunities come. And I'm not saying that God has called you to preach. I'm not saying that at all. But there is something that God is calling you to do, whether you know it or not. You might be like me in that, that fire that might be buried deep. You might have buried that a long time ago, and you might not even realize that you're, you're believing this lie. But I do know this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out until the day of Christ Jesus. See, I was finally becoming what God had for me. Years of believing one lie 
I finally chose to listen to the right voice. See, the words you listen to become the words that you live by or become the words you believe, which become the words you live by, which become the words that you speak. So you and I have a choice every day to speak life or death, just like your Creator does. He speaks life. He speaks light into our hearts. Are you going to choose to listen to what He is saying? All of this compared to this. Will you let His words flow through you to speak life over you? See, my preaching must start in my own life. I must declare life over myself before I could ever declare life over other people. It starts with you. If you're dead, then it's pretty hard to speak life into others, right? But if you're alive and you're growing, then you'll be able to speak life into others. The words you listen to become the words you believe, which become the words you live by, which become the words that you speak. That's why your doctrine is so important, because whatever your doctrine is determines your direction, which determines what you're declaring out of your life. What is your life declaring? What is your life declaring? It starts with your doctrine. It begins with the voice that you're listening to. I'll give you an awesome promise of God. It's in Revelations 12.11. I love this verse. They, that's you and I, they overcame him, that's Satan. They, you and I, overcame Satan by two things. The blood of the Lamb, that's Jesus, and the word of their testimony. You are an overcomer. You overcame Satan by Jesus' blood and the word of your testimony. See, the most impactful messages are the ones you preach to yourself. What are you declaring over your life? You need to identify the lie and declare the truth. And maybe like me, you've believed a lie for so long that you don't even realize you've believed it. It's such a part of you that you don't even realize that you've been lied to. Your doctrine has determined your direction. Let me close with this. A couple years ago, I was uh, traveling from Cape Town, South Africa to Johannesburg. I was, I was flying there. And it's a, quite a short flight. It's about an hour, hour and a half. And they loaded up the plane and just boarded everyone. And I noticed the guy sitting next to me, he was kind of fidgeting. He was nervous. Um, something just wasn't right. You know, you can just, you can just tell. And so they went through the, the safety demonstrations and all that jazz, and everybody's buckled up, and we, we pushed back from the gate, and we started to go on onto the uh, open taxiway towards the runway. And all of a sudden, just as we had turned onto the runway, this guy freaks out next to me. He jumps up. He freaks out. He could barely breathe, and he's just, he's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Get me off the plane. Get me off the plane. And he is just causing a scene. Now, the pilots don't know this. They're starting to rev the engines to take off. And so quickly, the flight attendants get up, try to calm him down. He's not doing well. This is not going to be a fun hour and a half flight, I can tell. And they, they call into the cockpit, and, and they basically slow the plane down. And the, the captain gets on and says, hey, we've got to turn around. We've got a med medical emergency. So we went all the way back to the gate, and people were grumbling, you know, blah, blah, blah. We get back to the gate and let this guy off. He gets off the plane. He couldn't hack it. He couldn't do it. He was having a panic attack. 
I've flown a gazillion miles and I've never seen that happen before. I'm sure it happens all the time, but I began to think, and this I think about this often, it's, it's probably a 16-hour drive from Cape Town to Johannesburg. Not an easy drive. There's a lot of nothingness in between there. And I often wonder what happened to that guy. Like, did he get on another plane or did he just drive? What happened to him? See, some of you are getting off the plane that God wants you on. And you're believing a lie instead of declaring the truth. See, there's greatness in this room. There is so much potential in this room. If 12 disciples could change the world for Jesus, imagine what this room could do if we stayed on the plane. See, don't believe the lie that you're grounded. God made you to fly. He's breathed something special into you. There's only one of you. There's only one Chris Taves. There's only one thing that God has called Chris Taves to do. There's No one else is coming to do what God told me to do. No one else is coming to, to do what God told you to do. Don't believe the lie. Your doctrine determines your direction. Satan wants to keep you on the ground. God made you to fly. You are made for more. Would you just bow your heads for just a moment? Let's just focus now. This is a holy moment. God is working in your hearts. The Holy Spirit is working. He's nudging you. If you can feel that nudge, that's Him. Let me ask you a question. What is the lie that you've been believing? What's the lie that's grounded you? Whose voice are you listening to? Your doctrine determines your direction. See, today is your day. You can identify that lie, declare the truth, and get on the plane and fly. What's the lie that you've been believing? Maybe simply you're here and you don't believe in Jesus. That's the biggest lie. You've never put your trust in Him as your Savior. He's been pursuing you for so long. You can run, but you can't hide. He's after you. He loves you so much. He died for you. He gave Himself for you. And all you need to do is let Him in right now. Just turn to Him in this moment in this quiet, in, in, your, in your chair, wherever you are, listening on the podcast, turn to Him. Pull the car over. Believe in Him. He wants to take control of your life. There's no special prayer. You just turn your life over to Him. Say, Jesus, I'm so glad that You died on the cross, that You took that pain and punishment that should have been mine. Now just take over and make me fly. Maybe you're here and you are a Christ follower, but you're believing the lie that you're too old, you're too used up, that, that there's nothing left for you to give, that you're wasting your life. Hey, if you've got breath in your lungs, you've got more to give. You've got more to inhale and you've got more to exhale. Don't wait any longer. I'm talking especially to that baby boomer generation. These younger generations, we need you to speak life over us. There are people going to hell every day all around you, and you're wasting your life. You're busy with stuff, but let's face it. What are you doing to bring heaven to earth? What are you doing that's affecting eternity? This is real stuff. This is where we're at. Do not believe the lie that you've eaten that one apple for so many years. It's time to turn it around. Your silence and your selfishness is killing the next generation.
Jesus, break those lies right now all across this place. Some of you believe that you're a failure. And maybe you have failed. We've all failed. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. Some of you think you're not, you're worthless. Jesus says you're more than a conqueror, though. You're an overcomer. Don't believe that lie. Some of you don't believe that you're good enough parents. <laughs> you're an image bearer of the Most High God. He's put everything that you need right inside of you. Don't believe that lie. Some of you have allowed the doctrine of expectations to be put on you by others, by well-meaning people, family, friends. But God might be calling you to something else. Don't live under the guilt of expectations that someone else has put on you. Live under the truth and the grace of Jesus. Today is your day to listen to another voice and to change your doctrine, which will change your direction. Some of you are simply finding your doctrine in social media or the internet. It's time to put the phone down, people, and get on your face instead of your Facebook. Get on your face before your God. Get, get in His Word. You'll know the doctrine. You'll know the truth then. Some of you are letting past mistakes define your present reality. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, he says, we're pressed on every side. This life is not easy. We're pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We're, perf we're perplexed, we're confused sometimes, but we're not driven to despair. Yeah, we're hunted down, we have an enemy, but we're never abandoned by God. We may ne get knocked down, but we're not destroyed. Somebody needs to hear that today. Whatever it is, declare the truth. Break the stranglehold of lies. By the word of your testimony, by the blood of Jesus, you are an overcomer. If you're an overcomer today, stand up with me. You will overcome Him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. The word Jesus spoke and everything changed. He's speaking into you right now. He's speaking over you. I want to pray for you, all these overcomers in this room. Jesus, you see these people standing that are determined to listen to one voice, your voice, not to listen to the lies of Satan. But we know that day will come. We know that moment will come when, when the, sh the, the truth will be shifted, when Satan will, will try to disguise the truth, and it will be so believable. But God, we pray that we would stay strong, that we would be in your word, that we would be on your, our faces before you because we are overcomers. And God, I thank you for the power and potential and the greatness that is in this room. And if we can just all listen to one voice, now we'll change Peoria. We'll change this state. We'll change this country. We'll change this world, not because of us, but because of your love and your light shining through us. That is our prayer today. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen.